0: Hello, I'm Shirley Ballas and welcome to Rewirement, the retirement podcast from Legal & General. I'm on a mission to help you reset, reinvent, rewire for the retirement you want. Every fortnight, I'm joined by fabulous retirees and would-be retirees with their own unique take on retirement.
1: Now that I'm entering my 50s, maybe it's a rite of passage and I need to start talking about these things with my friends. Plus
0: my brilliant panel of experts will be
1: diving in to tackle
0: the big questions. They'll share their suggestions to help make your post-work years the most exciting of all. There's a reason this program's called rewirement. For many people, retirement involves a change of pace, a different outlook and a different day-to-day. But before you get there it's important to put yourself in the best position possible both financially and in your attitude to money fortunately the experts are here to tell you what you can do at any age to get yourself ready and steady before retirement day comes emma byron and holly Mackay will be with me in the studio later but first Let's catch up on our retirement planning friends. I'm chatting to Debbie today.
2: My name's Debbie. I'm 50 years old and I am still working. I think this time of life is particularly exciting because I feel financially more comfortable than I have done in the past. Uh, The children are less reliant on me, on us, should I say. And we're now looking forward to retiring sooner rather than later and hopefully enjoying it while we still have the physical capacity to do so. She's only just beginning her
0: journey to working out her retirement finances. And I wanted to know what sort of questions are in her head. Debbie, what else do you think needs to be done to help you get to a place where you're really comfortable with your retirement plan?
2: I think, first of all, I need to work out exactly how much I currently have. <laughs> so find all my pension pots. actually get answers about what, what the yield is going to be when I do retire and, and plan that way. Maybe it's time at the moment while we're relatively secure touch every piece of wood I can find to put more aside maybe that's the answer maybe i have to do that I think if everything went tomorrow and we had to retire we would downsize and we'd be okay because our again it's down to house property value isn't it so our house if we sold it now we could get something in the west country much smaller for a lot less money and be mortgage free so there's always that the kind of safety net if you like but yes maybe we should be putting more away. the other thing is that the retirement age I mean when will that be when realistically can you look to retire it's so different now to how it used to be I mean my husband's a police officer but he hasn't been in the force since he left school so the the usual rule is 30 years and that's it you retire but he hasn't got that because he started so late so he's going to have to keep going until he's reached a certain amount of pension that he's built up. I don't know how long I'll have to work before I've got a decent amount saved up. It's it's all very different, very different now. Today's society is a lot different, isn't it? Most people aren't
0: thinking about that and what's going to happen when they turn 60 or how they're going to manage. Well, not the groups of people I talk to anyway. Debbie, when you retire, how much money do you think you're going to need? Would it be 80% of what you're earning at the moment 50% of what you're earning? What do you think you will need when you retire to live on?
2: I honestly don't know. We haven't sat down and done the sums. I think we've always been assuming that because of my husband's final salary pension, we will be able to pay off the mortgage. So in my head, whatever we've got from pension income from that point, we'll have to do. And that's kind of where I'm at. And that's Probably not the best way to look at it. I should be thinking ahead more. But I think once the once the house is paid off, everything else you can make do with. I'm in a situation where I've because I've worked in so many different places. I've got lots of little bits of pension and savings and stuff all over the place and. Quite recently, actually, I tried to get it all in one place and I'm still doing that. And I'm, I, I absolutely hear you. It is so important for everyone to know where everything is, because if I can't keep track of it, no one's got a hope when I go.
3: <laughs>
2: That's exactly what I'm going to do as well.
0: <laughs> Debbie, is it good to talk about money? Are you comfortable talking about money with your husband and your children?
2: Yes, very comfortable talking to my husband about it. That's that. That's absolutely no problem at all. I think as a society, we don't really talk about money, especially retirement and the savings and insurance and things like that. As you said, it, it goes back to death, doesn't it? People don't want to talk about that kind of thing. But I think that people should talk about it. I actually had a financial advisor in my very first job. So I was 21 and he came in and he talked to me very, very rationally about what I ought to be doing at that stage and of course I didn't but I did make a start and I think the more people that know about that early on and actually take it on board and listen and and do something about it they'll be in a much better position when they get to retirement. Is there anything you would change moving forward? Yes I think I'm, I'm probably going to consider my kids more it is a completely different state of play now with the kids growing up and getting onto the property ladder. So, Debbie, what are the most pressing questions you have around financial
0: planning for retirement? And what questions do you think others will also be confused over?
2: I'm not 100% clear exactly at the moment what I will end up getting when I do retire. And and I'm aware that things change as as life goes on and, and rates change and go up and down and investments change. Bearing in mind I have quite a few different pots of money in different places, it's not 100% clear what I'm looking at. I'd like a little bit more education, really, and to understand more what each of these pots of money does, how it performs, and what the effects of different things in the economy is going to have on it. Colin and Tracy are still working, but have a few options on their plate.
1: I ask them to compare notes on where they seek advice. In the past, I have spoken to an independent consultant many years ago, actually, and I think that was recommended through a friend. But I think my current context at the moment, I haven't really sought advice in terms of where I'm sitting now, because it was a few years ago. I probably could go online and get some advice via the teacher's pensions, government pension, and maybe get in touch with people there to find out a bit more about what it's going to look like and what my options would be. I prefer face-to-face though and talking with somebody. So I feel as though perhaps I haven't sought as much advice as I should have done because I don't know where I, you know, at the moment what my options are. I would probably go back to teacher's pension and maybe try and get another independent financial advisor perhaps to talk about ways forward and what it will look like in the future and surely there must be some sort of badge of you know that they would be accredited to or signed up to to know that they are a good financial advisor providing robust advice and legal advice to you now I don't usually talk about such matters with my friends but perhaps we should you know now that I'm entering the you know my 50s it's kind of a right maybe it's a rite of passage and I need to start talking about these things with my with my friends I mean, you don't have to tell them what you're worth. You don't need
0: to say how much money you've got or what you're thinking about investing. You can just have a conversation about investment, about pension policies, about the future. What did they do for their children? What are they thinking about doing for their children? You know, what are they leaving? You know, talk about the mortgage. Is it paid off? Isn't it paid off? I think the more that you can communicate, the easier these decisions are to make. Talking about it is only going to help, isn't it? Colin, where do you seek your advice when it comes to your pension plans? Do you have anybody special, anybody in mind?
4: I did have when I first set up the the schemes, when I first started my limited company, uh, there was a financial advisor who'd been recommended to me by a friend who was just round the corner from where I worked. And I worked there for about seven years. And it's probably it probably isn't a coincidence, but when I left that organisation and went somewhere else 80 miles away it was never convenient to just pop round and see the guy to talk about where we're at do we need to replan things do i now need to take out this sort of insurance plan how my pension go in although he was only ever on the end of a phone this was probably still pre-mobile phone days so yeah he, he was good what actually happened was that fairly soon after i took out some of the schemes a lot of consolidations and mergers and acquisitions Took place, so it seemed like every time your plan settled down, it then got acquired by somebody else, and then they two years later, somebody else acquired it. And so it got to the stage where you thought, well, I now don't know whether that's the plan that's suitable for me. So that's probably about the time that I stopped contributing to them. And since then, I've generally done all the research myself a lot of homework, very rarely rush into making any decisions of that type. My friends and family are telling me I'm a bit of a sort of spreadsheet nerd, in that I put all the information into spreadsheets, I analyse it, and that's how I make my decisions.
0: Remember David and Marcus, our choir singers? David retired after a career in finance, but Marcus is still working in his own business. I asked them if they prefer to educate themselves or take advice from specialists. David was first to answer.
3: I mean, because I've been involved in finance and I'm interested in it, I was never likely to ignore this field. But when you're busy and you're working all hours you know, in practice, you don't do much more than make cursory checks on uh, statements that, that come in. And, uh, and when I look back at information that I've received when I've left jobs and so on, that uh, there have been quite a lot of errors and inconsistencies in those which I didn't pick up at, at the time. So, you know, it is... Uh, much more you know, recent, I would say, from you know, perhaps my mid-40s onwards, when I started to sort of look into a little, little bit more detail. But, you know, I'm still learning. My wife is not particularly engaged, and she didn't do a, a sort of front-line role. She was uh, secretarial for the general management and I think it's it's fair to say it's more linguistic than numerate in terms of her her skill preference. So I involve her in the decisions or I tell her what I'm planning to do, but she really does leave it to me. She has, uh, I think, after I made uh, one error, <laughs> I mean, the worst uh, financial decision I probably took was on her uh, final defined benefit pension uh, with the bank that she worked. Uh, so she's never quite forgiven me for that, but... Uh, <laughs> Hopefully I do get more things right than the wrong in, in regard to what she uh, her pension situation.
5: I'd like to be in the room when David's wife hears that he thinks she's more literate than numerate. <laughs> 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 there are three of us directors in the in the firm where I work and our financial interests are therefore very much intertwined and that's been fantastic because the three of us have sort of gone through this journey together and have had a lot of chance to sort of talk through and discuss how we wanted to do things. Uh, So I think that's been my main support group and and my main way of of finding out the options.
0: It's great to hear how our would-be retirees are looking ahead and asking the big questions. So what do you need to ask yourself to get the basics right in retirement? And do you need to have it all worked out before the big day arrives? I'm joined once more by Legal & General's Emma Byron, Managing Director of Retirement Income, as well as Holly Mackay, Founder of Boring Money. What a dream team to give your financial planning a boost. Welcome both. Emma, for some people, their retirement might be almost as long as their working life. When do you begin to even work out the numbers for that?
5: I think think if you look at it in that way, then it feels like a sort of insurmountable task really to undertake. I don't think anyone start our working life thinking about planning for the next thirty years. That's for sure. Most of us all work out what we're going to be paid, and then what that means we can afford in a, in rent or mortgage, and and how many times a week we can go out. So, I, I think people should try not to see it as something completely different to that. You know, the the first step is really to understand the assets that you've got, what retirement income sources you might have. So, get your house in order. Think about all of those sources of assets. Think about you know maybe consolidating your pension pot so you've got all of that information in one place to make it easier to manage. The Government certainly offers a very basic tracing service for lost pensions, but we will also at Ligon in General be launching our own tracing service later this year, which will help people to do exactly that find everything they've got, put it in one place. I'd also say, though, it's not just about what you'd consider to be retirement assets, but also any other assets that you have, like bonds or savings accounts, ISAs etc. So, in the same way as you at your start of your working life would be thinking about what money you're going to have each month, it's the same thing really for retirement, getting that in all. Order. and then you can start thinking about you know a different range of scenarios none of us know how long we're going to live for or how long we're planning for or therefore how long that those uh, that money needs to last you so rather than try to pin your pin yourself on the average life expectancy I don't think any of us would consider ourselves to be average uh, I think it's about looking at about a different range of scenarios you know how would you manage if uh, you live to you know 110 versus if you live to, to 80 and and think about it in that way rather than trying to pin yourself to a single lifelong plan okay do you have to have it
0: all worked out in your 40s or can you adapt and change your plans as you go along
5: well, I, I'd hope you don't have to have it all worked out in your 40s. I'll be 40 in a few months and I certainly haven't <laughs> got life all worked out, that's for sure. Um, so, you know, I, I think as you approach your 40s, it's it's a good time to be thinking about it. You want to make sure that you are thinking about retirement early enough on to, to, to make sure that you, you save enough money. And also, I think that people get familiar with some of the concepts and the products and so on that you might want to use in retirement. The earlier you do that, I, I think the, you know, the, the easier it is when you come to retirement doesn't feel like such a daunting decision if you've engaged with your retirement savings um, much much earlier. Um, In terms of if you end up living longer than you expected, again, it's about, I think, scenario planning, thinking about if you did live longer, is there a different source of asset that you might want to draw down on? So perhaps you'd want to use your your housing equity, for example, um, as a backup plan if you uh, run out of money or you live longer than you expected. And then obviously having some form of secure guaranteed income through retirement, such as an annuity or a defined benefit pension, if you're lucky enough to have one of those, also will just give you a bit of peace of mind that you will have sufficient money to, to at least meet your basic living needs. Lots to note there.
0: <laughs> Holly, what sort of people do you get coming to you for help with their retirement finances? What are the most common questions
6: you hear? We get all sorts is is the uh, honest answer. We had about half a million people on our site last year from people with millions of pounds to invest looking for tips um, to people who had 20 pounds a month to to save into an ISA. So all sorts. What I would say is amazing. You know, pretty much everyone I ever talk to about money secretly feels really stupid about it. They kind of assume that everyone else is smarter than them, better at maths than them, richer than them, more organised than them. So I kind of tend to spend a lot of time saying to people, it's not that you're dumb, it's, it's that the industry explains it in such a boring and a complicated manner. So I kind of try and put people at ease. This is, this is baffling for, for many of us. The most common questions I hear, I think, are sometimes it's just like, where the hell do I start? like should I be serving into an ISA or a pension or, or what do I do there? Risk is a really, really common question. People saying, how much might I lose actually is the thing that most people start off wanting to know. How much could I make? And then kind of around retirement as well, people even ask you know when can I retire as if that's the job of a, of a pension company to tell them that it's, it's I think because it's such a baffling area people expect that someone's going to tell them what to do so it's trying to sort of work people work with people to help them understand the choices that ultimately are theirs to make of course when you retire is is up to you and as we'll go on to discuss I suspect you know dependent largely on how much money you've got saved up but also on what you want to do. We
0: heard a few different experiences of advice from our rewirees. What would you recommend in regard to advice?
6: I think it's difficult. I mean the reality is that advice still can be quite a tainted brand and lots of people don't trust financial advisors. But the the world has changed over recent years and there has been a, a, a split now between advisors Kind of getting any sort of financial encouragement to recommend any particular brand. So that sort of bias that was there in the past isn't there anymore. And I think in general, the profession is a lot tighter, a lot better than it used to be. Something else other people don't really know is that you can. Pay on an hourly basis for financial advice. You don't have to lock yourself into a lifelong relationship. And fees, you know, range from about £150 an hour to £200 an hour. So sometimes, if you just want a steer that you're not doing anything daft, you might be able to look at that as an option. And there are other services. One I think is quite interesting for people coming up to retirement is called a cash flow modelling service. Now, this will set you back typically about two or three thousand pounds. But you sit with an advisor and you say, this is how much I've got. And they work it through with you and effectively see if your plans are affordable or whether you're likely to run out of money or, or not. So, you know, there are bite-sized ways you can get financial advice without having to think that it's an ongoing relationship for life.
0: Emma, from your experience, what do you think are the common pitfalls people have in terms of their mindset? For example, do people assume they won't
5: live as long as they do? Do they overspend in the first few years? I think the, the first mistake people often make the the common pitfall for people is that they've put their head in the sand. They're they're scared to think about retirement. They don't understand the terminology. People do have to kind of bite the bullet and and spend a day really thinking about retirement and trying to understand it. And there's lots of tools out there and information out there, you know, from from the government in terms of pension wise, and also, you know, on providers' websites and, and so on. So I think the second one, as you mentioned, people do underestimate how long they'll live for. Often people use an indication of you know how long their parents have lived for and, and, and expect that that's how long they themselves will live for but as as we know you know people are living longer and longer thanks to medical science um, and healthier lifestyles and so on is much uh, more related to education you know socio-economic factors uh, lifestyle factors, you know, do you drink lots, do you smoke? None of us are average, you know, looking, there's life expectancy calculators out there that would allow people to plug in some information and see how long they are expected to live for. But by definition, that's that's an average. Um, so some people will live for a lot longer than that and some people for less time. So I think around that point, it, I, it would be back to, I think it's planning for, for different scenarios and really thinking through if you were to live significantly longer than you expected, how would you manage that? I think in terms of overspending in the first few years, there's a mixture of, of evidence around that. We we see and we expect that, you know, sort of the jubilation, excitement of being retired, off you go on, on many cruises and uh, fulfilling the travel desires that you might not have been able to do when you're retiring or, you know, giving uh, grandchildren money, etc. And now you have access to this additional funds, So I think there is definitely a risk that people fall into that trap. But saying that, you know, as long as you've thought a little bit further ahead and you still despite that perhaps excessive spending in the first few years are comfortable you have enough to to last later that's not necessarily uh, something you can't do but again it's just about thinking through um, and and planning for the different options and having some flexibility um, in your in your spending and I think like you said as
0: also I mean I find it's difficult to even talk to my it's difficult people don't want
5: to talk about finances but it is a subject that needs to be pushed and you have to talk about it I feel agree. I mean, from my perspective, I think it's the, lo- the last remaining taboo in the world, you know, people are much more open about sex and different things like that. But um, money is really the last taboo. People don't discuss how much money they earn. People don't discuss what savings they have, even with, with their closest family. And really, you know, it is something that, that needs to change. That means people have to go around shouting about how, how much um, they're worth. But certainly they need to be able to, to discuss that in order to make sensible decisions. Is it ever too late to start
0: saving for retirement?
5: It's usually sort of the, the meaningful moments in people's lives where they, they start to think about saving or pensions. You know, I often use the example that when you're in hospital after having a baby, you're, you're given a bounty pack, which has lots of uh, leaflets in there about setting up wills and, and that sort of thing, because that's usually the time at which people would think about that you know once you have children you think well I, I better have a will and start thinking about those things more seriously so you know I think it's not necessarily a typical age where people start thinking about seriously about things it's normally something that happens you know in their life I mean certainly as you uh, as I said get towards your 40s uh, and you've probably been working for 20 years you start thinking god how long much longer am I going to be working for and that's the time where you do start to think a little bit more about whether you've been saving sufficiently for, for your pension or not and I think definitely people approaching their 40s should be encouraged to sort of take a financial MOT if you like and, and look at what they've got today and are they saving enough because at that age you've still got time to to correct the amount you're saving if you've been under saving up into that point so you, you've got time to to improve it and, and make sure you're gonna have the retirement that you want
0: lots of people don't save nearly enough into their pension What are the options when there won't be enough to live on when they retire?
5: Clearly if someone is reaching the retirement age and they haven't saved into their pension, it's a little bit late to use a pension as the source of your retirement income, but people typically will have other assets. So if they've been prioritising buying a house and paying their mortgage throughout their life, which meant they had nothing left um, after paying all the bills to save into a pension product, their house is an asset that they can utilise. And many people, particularly coming to retirement now, who don't have huge amounts of pension savings and may not be lucky enough to have a final salary pension anymore, they do have a lot of housing wealth and they're able to downsize, which gives them one way of accessing that money. Or if they want to stay in their home, then using uh, lifetime mortgages is another way in which you can utilise the equity in your house in order to provide you with money to live off in retirement. What do you think are the possible pitfalls when people manage their own pension income? People often don't plan for for different scenarios. You know, they'll plan for sort of the average market return that they expect. And so when there's um, significant, you know, falls in the market, they find that they they haven't really allowed for that. I think people also often panic quite a lot in, in times of market downturn and then choose to do things which are not necessarily the most rational, such as, you know, switching to, to cash and so on, which would mean they wouldn't have time to the assets wouldn't recover. I think another thing that, that people need should always consider, and I, I'm sure or I hope Polly would agree with me is having enough liquidity or a cash buffer around. It's important that you have some level of cash buffer available to you. That doesn't always mean just keeping it in cash, you know, that there are uh, different sort of liquid assets you can use where you could be able to access the money easily, but you're earning more than than sort of a cash return. Products such as fixed term annuity products, zero income annuity products allow you to put the money away, but should you need to surrender it or partially surrender at any point, then you can.
0: This is so interesting.
5: (laughs) Holly, any other do's and
0: don'ts for minimising the worry in the run up to retirement?
6: Yeah, Shirley, I think pensions, I think pensions are like kind men. You only realise in your 40s how attractive they are. And when you're in your 20s, they're just boring. Um, Most of us will always look to our retirement and think, golly, I wish I'd done more earlier. I wish I'd studied. So I think we just have to get over that and, and park that. We are where we are. To me, I worry about things that I can't see. I worry about things I don't fully understand. So I think the starting point is work out how much you've got. And think of your retirement income like a cocktail with three shots. You've got your state pension, the full state pension. If you're uh, eligible for that, you can check on the government's website is about £9,000 a year. The second element will be any workplace pension you have, that might be an old final salary scheme, Uh, it might be a workplace pension you have today. Now find out how much you've got in total in your workplace pensions and a helpful rule of thumb I think is to work out how much that might buy you a year in terms of retirement income. Divide it by about 20 or 25 and that'll give you an indicator of what annual income you might expect from that that chunk of money. And then the third shot is just other sources of assets you have as Emma said earlier that might be some cash savings perhaps some rental income any ISAs so i think jot it all down and just get a very sort of loose feel for how much you're you're looking at then when you actually can compute that and see it in front of you then you know what your options are and and you know we don't have endless options and and for most of us if the numbers written down in front of us don't look appealing our options are either to spend less or to delay retirement and consider some sort of part-time working or indeed sort of delaying retirement entirely for a few years. But I think we've always got to start by just trying to get a sense in our head of what that number is and trying to work through it. I would say as well, pension-wise is the government's um, free sort of source of, of help and guidance for people on this, you can phone them up. They can't tell you exactly what products to buy, but they can give you a very good steer and talk you through all the tax consequences and all the jargon and all the gobbledygook around it and help set your mind at ease a bit.
0: What if someone has a one-off expense they want to make happen, like a big bucket list holiday?
6: Oh, doesn't that sound great right now? I'd love to go on a big bucket list holiday right now. I think the only thing I think when it comes to um, pensions and retirement income, there's a sort of, I've seen it with many people that perhaps don't trust the financial services industry or they feel nervous. And for some people, there's a tendency, as soon as you can get your hands on your pension, you kind of want to take it all away and and stick it under the mattress and it's mine and it's in my control now. There can be disastrous tax consequences if you rip great big sums of money out of your pension. Do read up on it consider even taking one-off financial advice or at least make sure you check out the tax consequences because I've seen lots of people get burnt that way. Emma, can
0: you summarise for us the steps people should take when thinking about how to use their money in retirement? Presumably, they need to start by working out exactly what they've got.
5: Yeah, absolutely. So, I think there's probably four main steps. The, The first being really find out all of the assets that you've got. The second thing uh, and this this should be quite obvious to people, you know, most people budget on a monthly basis and and know how much they need to cover, you know, rent, mortgage, food, bills, etc. So working out that your basic necessities I think is is the next is the next part. And then, you know, I think trying to plan what your expend other expenditure, sort of non-discretional spend would look like for 30 years is a near impossible task. So I'd say, you know, think about that maybe over the next five years. You know How, how many holidays do you think you'll go on? How often do you think you go out for, for meals with friends, family and so on? So so what's that sort of non-discretionary spend that, that you would need? What sources of income have you got that you're definitely going to get for the rest of your life, um, irrespective of how long you, you are going to live? And is that enough to meet those basics? needs that you've set out in the second step. And then you can start thinking about the other assets where you may have more flexibility to draw down on those and, you know, move the amount you're spending up and down so working that into a sort of retirement plan it is important that people don't just plan for a best case scenario that they also think about um what would happen if you know stock markets fell or if they live longer than expected or should they need to to have care costs later in life to make sure there's a bit of a buffer there and and give them even more sort of financial security gosh i'm just i should write a book on this i feel so educated
0: (laughs) Well, there's a lot to think about, but great to know you don't have to have it all figured out in one go. I hope that's helped you map out the path to planning your finances and staying on top of them between now and retirement. You can find out more about retirement planning at legalandgeneral.com retirement. Next time, we're looking at what to do when you actually get there and how to enjoy the lifestyle you've dreamed of in your rewirement years. Subscribe on your podcast listening platform. You'll get it on your device as soon as it's available. Thanks for listening. I'm Shirley Ballas, and I'll catch you next time.